Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Quick announcement. Cam and I found last year when we took six weeks off in the summer, we really benefited from that break. And so we're doing it again. Starting on August 1st, we will be re-releasing some hand-picked old episodes through September. September 19th is when we will come back with live episodes. So taking a break, but not going anywhere for long. We'll see you all in about seven weeks once our break begins on August 1st. So Cam, this topic today has you fired up. We're definitely going to be taking this topic into the new season of the podcast because there's a lot here. But let's start with what it is and what's got you so fired up. It's some of the information that is distributed to us and how to read some of these studies. I was looking at a recent Canadian study that was talking about factors that contribute to flourishing with ADHD. And I was sharing it with a room full of non-male ADHD coaches, and they were pretty livid. They were pretty fired up themselves. And the reason they were fired up was because the factors that they talked about in the study that contributed to quote-unquote flourishing with ADHD, which is another issue I have, Shelly, we'll get <laughs> to in a second, is that the four factors that they saw were being male, married, having some kind of physical practice and exercise, and a spiritual practice. So those were the four factors. And you and I have a lot of clients. We know a lot of coaches who don't fit one of those categories. Or several of them at once. Or several of them at once that, you know, if you're single and you're not a male, what are you to do? So the thing that we're going to talk about in the new season is, again, how to unpack data, how to unpack something like this study where they're giving certain information and what can we do about it? We think there's a lot that we can do. And it's actually something that we've been focusing on in this podcast. It's why this podcast has been so successful is because it's not so simple, right? It's not about checking these boxes and saying, okay, I got these on board and I'm good to go. I imagine there's a lot of males who are married with a spiritual practice who are not doing well with their ADHD. So we're going to look at that of kind of how to unpack that, where to focus, because that's one of the difficult things with ADHD is, well, where to start? Where do I focus? So something I had my own experience the last couple of weeks that got me focused in one specific area. So those were the four factors that talked about flourishing. They also talked about factors that stood in the way. And the primary factors that stood in the way were any kind of trauma, history of abuse, or chronic pain. In there also is any kind of suicidal ideation. But those three got my attention too, because we've also talked about doing your other work. And in the last couple of weeks, after I got covid <laughs> three quarters of my family got COVID. Recovering from that, I tweaked an old back injury and tweaked it in a way where sitting is extremely uncomfortable. And I found it really hard to do anything but the bare minimum in my work with this aggravated back. And it just, it brought it front and center to me of, I can't imagine what it's like for those people out there 
who have chronic pain and they're having to deal with that on top of ADHD. I'll say one more thing. This is a bit of a teaser for our next season. Many of you have been asking about, hey, can you talk about ADHD and autism or ADHD and depression or ADHD and anxiety? That's the thing that Shelly and I have been talking about for so long is that ADHD never operates in a vacuum. We have our environment. We talk about the people around us. We talk about our history, our situation. And there's so many different factors in play, and it's being able to pull that apart and see how they interplay with each other. As we always say to new coaching clients or new course participants, your context matters. That's the bottom line here is your context matters. And studies like this completely miss that point. They miss the point of individual context mattering because they're trying to take individual context and put it into these buckets. Be this, be this, do this. Don't have this, don't have this, don't have this. You'll do better with your ADHD. And it's just not helpful, even if it might be true. I don't think that the findings of that study are untrue, Cam. Women are often underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And the expectations put on us by society, both in terms of what we're responsible for and in terms of how we behave, are much different than those expectations for men. Married men, because of those expectations and those gender roles, tend to have better support at home. Not always, not every married man, by the way. But in general, a married man with ADHD is going to have more supports in place than a single man with ADHD, right? And we could continue on down the line with each of those factors, both on the flourishing side and on the struggle side, and say that, yes, individually, those are true, but it doesn't say anything helpful because it doesn't say what to do. Telling us what we already know. If you're a white man who's married and has a good exercise practice, you're probably in a higher socioeconomic bracket. Again, there's more supports there. And so to sort of couch this as the individual with ADHD is flourishing or not flourishing, it's so much more than that because individual context matters. And that context includes the people around us. It includes the supports that we have, the resources that we have, whether or not we recognize them as supports or resources. And so I think it'll be interesting to illustrate this point by diving into your experience with persistent pain that thankfully sounds like it didn't turn into chronic pain, but there was a persistent pain that wasn't there before that was affecting your context and affecting what was supportive and what wasn't. What works for you in a vacuum maybe didn't work so well here. So say more about that, Cam. Just what was the experience of the interplay of pain and ADHD in the last couple of weeks? Well, I'll get to that. But actually, I want to talk a little bit about, again, my own supports. So as you're talking, I'm just realizing about all the supports that were there for me, right? That I tweaked my back the beginning of helping my mom downsize and move. I pick up this large rug and hoist it onto my shoulder and carry it across this campus when I could have easily used a cart. (laughs) 
but I'm not thinking cause and effect, right? I'm just like, yeah, I got it. Hoist it and aggravate this old injury. Now, my sister is there. My mom has support, some people helping her. My brother and sister-in-law are coming to town and they're all helping. And so I was able to step back and help in different ways, but I was able to stop. And I think that a lot of people don't have that option, right? If you tweak a, a back or you have chronic pain and you're in some kind of work situation and you don't have the ability to take time off, I was able to go back to my old PT guy who helped me with the injury before. I emailed him right away over the weekend. He responded quickly, got me in, started working on my back, getting that improvement and relief. And my spouse like just was like, saw me in pain and just like, how can I help you? So it was helping and supporting, but also prompting me to listen, buddy, we need you back in the game. So prompting me to do my exercises and be proactive with the back as I was suffering through that. So just wanted to, again, here are those supports that are there where others, if you're by yourself and you don't have resources available, then you might not be able to really get proactive and create the change that needs to happen there. Cam, if you take everything you just named and talk about an absence of that support or that resource, guess what starts to happen? Those become bricks in a wall of awful for dealing with or managing or taking care of this same challenge. Had you not been able to stop helping, had you been the only person there helping that day, could have been a worse injury. If you didn't have decent enough health insurance, and I'm not going to make any assumptions about how great your health insurance is because we're both self-employed here, but decent enough health insurance, that's not so much of a factor that you already had an established relationship with a physical therapy person. So that having to research and find what do I need here? What does support even look like? You already knew that because you were already familiar with this injury. But my clients who don't know that and are trying to answer an injury question or a medical question or even a mental health question when we talk about doing other work, my clients who need to do trauma work, some of the hardest steps involved are finding a professional that they click well with because that's so many steps and one that takes their insurance, adding complication to the equation. Again, every step of the way where you had support and absence of support not only makes it that much harder, it throws up barriers that mess with our ADHD that might prevent us from getting the help we need at all. Yeah. And to speak to the healthcare piece is that my spouse is a nurse practitioner at a large teaching university, right? So one of the things that we have is excellent healthcare, but recognizing that there are compromises and challenges in other areas to make that happen. There's limited players in, in town where she can do her work as a cystic fibrosis pulmonary nurse practitioner for children. There's certain things that are in play there. And if you change any one of those factors, then it changes my immediate experience. So just this coming back to that study and these areas, we've always talked about like doing your work. And so again, this sort of interplay of, it just came front and center for me, this interplay of this other thing that was so immediate 
and so debilitating. So to answer your question earlier about like, how did the ADHD come into play with the back? I'll tell you, it came into play in a couple of different ways. First and foremost, in how the back really limited my ability to do my self-care activities. So I like to bike. I like to walk. I like to hike. I like to exercise and move. And it's not just about the exercise. It's about my mindfulness practice is a moving practice. I am mindful. I cannot sit still and be mindful. I get present and curious when I am out in the woods walking, out in the woods riding my bike. That was taken away from me. So immediately, one of my primary bandwidth management tools has been removed. My ability to generate dopamine has been taken away from me. That's number one. And here again, another ADHD hurdle, because you have the awareness to know what these supports are for you and what they do for you. So you're coping with an absence, but there's an awareness of that absence. I've had clients who come through my door with very similar stories. Something happened that derailed a practice. But the thing is, is they weren't aware what that practice was doing for them. They weren't aware how that practice was supporting, particularly a physical practice beyond just physical health into executive function, ADHD, and mental health. And so something happened, injury or otherwise, that derailed that practice and it just doesn't come back. That episode years ago, or not years ago, maybe years ago. I don't know. How long have we been doing this now, Cam? (laughs) Could have been years ago. We're coming up on three years. Wow. In in November. Wow. Three years. So year ago, at least, I'm sure at this point, where I talked about the client that came to coaching overwhelmed by her to-do list, just a complete frenzy. And the end result of that coaching session was rediscovering this missing practice of being in nature, hiking, and meditating. She didn't need me to help her organize her to-do list. She needed to re-engage with a supportive practice that she didn't fully understand how it was supporting. How does a hike in nature help me deal with my overwhelm? Well, for that client, it puts her in her own language in a place where her brain is accessible to her in a useful way. But she didn't know that. So again, just kind of pointing out, you've done your own work here. So you're, you're missing these supports and that's tough, but you at least know what you're missing. Whereas so many of our newer clients, newer listeners, people who are not familiar with doing their work in this way, who haven't cultivated a lot of individual ADHD awareness, would have the consequences of the missing practice and wouldn't even know what they needed to get back on track. So there was another factor too, was that I had a couple deadlines. I was wrestling this sort of two unwieldy projects. One actually is going to happen, I believe, this weekend, right? If this is dropping the 18th, so on the 23rd, the ADA Global Gathering, and we'll put it in the program notes, I'm presenting on work and expectation. Well, I'm here to tell you that trying to wrestle my big idea generator into a 15-minute 
PowerPoint presentation, Shelly. You know, that's a struggle to begin with. Yeah, that's tough on your best day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I have this sort of tweaked back and it's just like any little tiny movement. And then it shoots this pain up through my spine and down my legs. So I'm having to kind of sit still and try to get through this process. And, and by the way, the people there are amazing. And the, the individuals that I'm working with, John Hassel and his whole crew, just fantastic. But just that kind of doing hard work, right? If it was a different kind of work where I was just doing my the stuff that I typically do, it wouldn't maybe it wouldn't have been such a challenge. I also have this large entity of a class that I'm doing by myself. And remember, remember this, I do best in collaboration. And so here I am doing stuff on my own. So it was a bit taxing, but just that constant reminder, like it was enough of this distraction. And I think distraction is just not the appropriate word here because, you know, you have a distraction and it's, oh, something distracts me. There was something more than that, Shelly. It was just so hard to cobble together information. Barclay talks about this idea of playing with information to kind of take an idea, contemplate, play, kick around, synthesize, process. And you're, it's this constant handoff, right? It's like you take something and you move it along in this process to distill it down into something that you can share. That whole process was absolutely disrupted because every 17 seconds, this pinch of pain shoots up and all the things that I've gathered from my a la carte and put on my little platter, half of them fall off just from this reminder of, oh, tweak, you know? So then I'm now frozen. I can't move. And you see me, I've got to move around a little bit in my chair all the time. Take that for granted. Now I can't do that. I'm just locked in. Like I've got to be absolutely still <laughs> anyway. So it just is like, really weird how the ADD interplayed with the back. And I can't tell you exactly, right? It's a kind of a new experience for me. Can't tell you fully what that is. All I know is, wow, it's a big impact for me. I know you said it wasn't distraction, but it does sound like there was this constant disruption by way of stab of pain. And again, some supports missing. Even though you are an inattentive type, you do move around a lot in your chair. I've been watching you <laughs> week after week for three years now as we record this podcast. When you teach, you're very animated, right? You speak with your hands. And so yet again, adding these restrictions and that persistent disruption. You start to get on a train of thought, you get a tweak and it's pain. It's real pain. You can't play with thoughts and be in your creative process when you're in pain like that. Right. And let's just add emotional regulation, right? So there's the pain, there's that pain response, and then the emotional regulation of, ah, damn it. And then the whole narrative of, you effed up, brother. How could you? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Why did I lift that rug? You know better. So it's that there's the, the emotional regulation aspect on that. And it's like, and then I would kind of reel that in, right? Reel in like, okay, come on, stay, stay with the game. Stay, finish it out, finish it out. Where can I get to a completion point? You're absolutely right. I think it's that word of disruption. There's more than just a distraction. 
I think of a distraction as something that's like, oh, something got my attention. This is a disruption, a disruption of flow of thought, of building, constructing, developing, and delivering. Sounds like each tweet maybe knocked you into the valley a little bit. That storytelling of how could I do this? That frustration of not being able to stay on task. Those very much sound like limbic brain valley moments to me, Cam. Yeah, no doubt. And oh, by the way, like with COVID put me a week behind. So there's that whole time piece of I'm behind and there's pressure here, right? And I can't afford to keep dropping into the valley. I can't afford this right now. But what it did for me, Shelly, above anything is getting back to this idea of I have to be proactive with my back, right? That these exercises are not just to mitigate pain. They're to make my back stronger. And I stopped doing them. And if I continued to do them, I probably wouldn't have tweaked my back. So I gave my wife, I give her uh, subscriptions to awesome things. I think they're awesome. And she never uses them. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them was to yoga. And I bet it's probably two and a half years old. And I think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk into that place and I'm going to take those sessions, right? And even if I don't take those sessions, I'm going to sign up for some yoga or Pilates or some kind of body movement because again, it has to be proactive. My son was like, ah, really down dad. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I'm almost 20. That's halfway to 40. (laughs) I'm like, brother, I'm almost 60, man. (laughs) You know? And it's like, wow. You know, anyway. So it's like, being there for my young kids 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. It's just a reminder to me of this is something I need to be proactive about. So it goes to the next part of this whole idea of when the pain is not active or when we're not feeling anxious, when we're not feeling that old trauma. We tend to tolerate, we tend to dismiss, we tend to downplay. And so as Shelly said earlier to kind of be thinking about what's that thing that is persistent in your life that kind of puts bricks in your wall of awful and to take a look at it. And is there something else you can do to address it, to break the cycle of abuse, to do some work there, to do some couples work? If your primary relationship is not in a place where it can be, to be proactive, to address the issue or these challenges that are exacerbating your ADHD. That was the big learning for me. Now, a couple of weeks, Shelly, I bet <laughs> you asked me about back pain and how you doing? Did you get to that Pilates class, Cam? <laughs> what? what? What are you talking about? Right, so I got to make a note here and get that down. But again, that sort of that tolerating, it's like, okay, we just will tolerate and not see the impact of that negative thing. I have a client who, when his back is tweaked, his mood drops, and his ability to do anything but the basics goes to near zero. But he doesn't necessarily have the awareness of that until we bring it up in coaching. So back to this whole thing of cause and effect, getting to causation and seeing the impact of these things and how they play out. Cam, really, our whole show has always been about showing our listeners that your context matters. And that cultivating awareness, not just about your own ADHD experience, but about all of your context 
and how ADHD is showing up and impacting is really the way to do this work. Whether you do it listening to the podcast, you do it with a coach. You know, I have clients that show up that have incredible amounts of self-awareness cultivated in any number of ways. That spiritual practice, one of the indicators of flourishing, right? Big way a lot of my clients cultivate awareness. Recovery is another one. I've had a number of clients in recovery cultivating awareness. We've always been on this drumbeat of your context matters, but next season, that's really where we're going to dive in. Because in the past, we've taken topics like time management or other hot button ADHD topics, and we've introduced how your context might be showing up. Next season, we're going to talk directly about context, how context varies with ADHD people and why trying to treat ADHD people as an amalgam doesn't work. It does not work. If all we all had to do was get a planner and set a timer and show up a little sooner and take our medication. That's not it, Shelly? No. Really? (laughs) No, Kim. Three years later, still not the answer. Uh, (laughs) But we're just going to take a slightly different perspective next season. Instead of taking the behavior or the challenge first, we're going to go straight to the context and look at all of these different ways in which individual context can affect an ADHD person. Yeah. Like what is it like to have ADHD and depression or ADHD and anxiety? Kim, here's one that I can't wait to talk about with you. ADHD and PMS, because that is a tough thing for most of my clients who menstruate, if not all. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap here. And rather than going through the whole spiel, people, here's what I'm going to do. It's time for a new review. We The last one was posted in May. Yeah. You can do it. We believe in you. Drop a review wherever you listen to the show. Those really help us out almost more than anything else you could do. We'll see you next week for one more episode. And then, like I said, we'll be on summer break. But don't worry, we're going to re-release some old hand-picked episodes for you to listen to. In the meantime, if you are somebody caught up in listening in real time. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was the Translating ADHD Podcast. Thanks for listening.